Welcome to Grid Talk, a series of conversations with the leaders and innovators shaping the 21st century grid. Hosting the podcast is Marty Rosenberg, an award-winning energy journalist. The series is sponsored by the Department of Energy's Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Now, here's Marty Rosenberg with Grid Talk. Welcome to our podcast. How are you today? Good, good. How are you, Marty? Good. We've got Mary Powell, who for the past dozen years has been president and CEO of Green Mountain Power. And... Uh, just learned that you'll be stepping down at the end of the year. Yes, yes, I'm really excited. After 12 years as CEO and over 20 years um, at Green Mountain Power, you know, sort of helping to lead and leading one transformation after another, I am uh, really excited about this transformation, which is handing it off to a next generation amazing woman leader. Um, I'm just really excited and I'm excited for myself for all the other possibilities that's going to open up. When you joined Green Mountain approximately 20 years ago, um, there are very few women executives at utilities. How has, how has the culture changed and, and what do you think uh, a more diversified executive rank has done for the utility sector? Well, yeah, you're right, Marty. When I joined, I think I was one of three, I think, in the entire country of CEOs, women CEOs, of investor-owned uh, utilities. Um, and actually, somebody pointed out the other day that they think we are now the first that's ever gone from a woman CEO to handing off to another woman CEO as an investor-owned utility. I haven't, I haven't fact-checked that, but somebody told me that's a fact. So it would be, it would be interesting just because um, I really do feel like uh, Green Mountain certainly has been a leader in cultural transformation. I mean, that's really, I think, as you well know, um, where the work really started here for me from, from uh, my perspective was really turning the company inside out literally from a cultural perspective and taking it from a very hierarchical, traditional analysis paralysis culture to one that was focused on fast, fun, effective service for customers, uh, quick decision-making, you know, uh, complete elimination of, of layers of bureaucracy, and uh, and creating a team-based system where uh, folks who work here felt uh, like it was up to them to make the best decision in the moment. So, I'd Mary, I'd like to jump to one of the more fast, fun changes that I've heard about at your Vermont utility, and that's your experiment that just has recently launched on a flat rate. Tell me what the program's about, how it works, and what your objective is with it. Well, great, Marty. Yeah, and our objective is is the simple outgrowth of what we've been focused on for years, which is customer obsession, a culture of customer obsession, uh, a culture of also an obsession with uh, carbon and getting carbon out of the energy system and helping customers reduce cost and innovating. Um, so we've done a lot of innovating over the last, uh, I would say, five or six years in particular, and we're very excited about this because this is the opportunity for customers to completely transform their relationship with energy by uh, going with solar, with storage, with an EV, and bundling it all into one price and bundling it all into you know what we what we all know as subscription pricing, which is something we use in other forms of things we acquire and use for services. So it's a, a subscription price model. Um, 
and it is a way for customers to transform that is, uh, you know, again, like, like we were saying, fast, fun, and effective. Is there any other utility doing this to your knowledge? Uh, nope. I do. I believe we are the first uh, with this. We were the first with offering storage in homes. Uh, you know, we have one of the greatest market incentives out there right now in the industry for storage. Um, and now this this bundle, uh, the bundling of energy transformation and pricing, uh, I think without a shadow of a doubt, we're the first. What do you think it'll, it'll allow you to achieve? Well, I mean, I hope what it allows us to achieve as a society is accelerating a consumer-led revolution to lower carbon uh, energy resources. Uh, you know, the, the science is clear, the planet's on fire, and we've got, some would say, you know, if you go by the first study, 11.1 years left, but I think the latest data suggests we have more like eight or nine years left to, you know, radically uh, drive carbon out of the out of out of society and out of our energy system. So what we really hope is that this ho- helps customers transform quickly in a way that's affordable and effective for them and their budgets. Now, how how does it work on the business side of the fence? Um, you've had a flat load since 2003, according to what I've been able to read. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep the company healthy and growing in that kind of environment? Well, I mean, you know, the reality is it's no different than the, than the reality everyone is facing between efficiency and distributed solar largely. Um, you know, many parts of the country and many parts of the world are facing uh, the loss of traditional revenues off of the infrastructure system. And so, you know, we have always thought that it is our job uh, to innovate our way into providing new value propositions for customers that they want to use that will then also have the happy coincidence of creating new and different revenue sources to make grid power more cost-effective. So everything we're doing, and and the storage is a great example, and this bundle is a great example. It's priced in a way that it provides a value stream back to maintaining the grid for the rest of the customers that we serve. So our storage devices alone that we have deployed, over 2,000 in Vermont homes already, um, you know, save all Vermonters we serve up to half a million dollars in one really hot, costly summer day. So it's all about embracing this future, actually accelerating this future, but doing it in a way where we're innovating and creating a new value proposition for Vermonters. So you also dispatch water heaters. Talk a bit about how that works. Yeah, it's the same. You know, it's really about, about you know, from the helicopter view, about moving towards being more of a symphony conductor of all sorts of devices, some that we may be a part of putting behind a customer's meter, but some where the market's delivering that solution behind the meter. So that's why we've also done some very interesting uh, market incentives and uh, aggregator pricing, right? So that others can be playing in this symphony orchestrator role with us. But it's all about the way we get to a more cost-effective, efficient, greener grid is to have as many, you know, as, as we say, moving to a community home and business-based energy system where we have customers embracing these technologies that can drive cost and carbon out of the energy system and doing it in a way where it's a shared energy economy, where they're sharing those controls with us 
so that we or the other market aggregators are making sure that it's done in a way that is cost-effective for everybody we serve. You were an early adopter of the Powerwall technology of Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that gone, and uh, has Mr. Musk played any uh, close attention to what you've been able to achieve? I would assume he's paid attention from what I understand he has just because it has been uh, wildly successful. You know, the reality is that the technology has outperformed uh, what we advertise as capabilities. So that's always nice with customers when you, uh, you know, you don't overpromise. And in fact, you might underpromise what the technology can do. So we've had the technology carry customers through multi-day outages. Um, So customers are thrilled because it's providing them in a world where climate change events are more dramatic and more frequent. It's providing them in a rural state with comfort and resilience. And that same exact device that they're sharing uh, sharing with us in this new energy sharing economy is helping us drive down costs and make the system more resilient for everybody else we serve. You also provide free uh, EV chargers to electric vehicle owners. How common is that across the utility sector? What has been the success there? I think a number of utilities are playing with uh, EVs and how to accelerate adoption. Again, what we really like with this is what we've found is what I think folks know, but it's awesome to be sort of at the front, you know, the front of actually implementing solutions is you know, again, it's it's neat to have people move to EVs, but we really want to make sure that as we're making this this important transition to a lower carbon uh, resource of transportation, that we're doing it in a way where we're again sharing the control of the charger, so that not everybody comes home at you know the proverbial six o'clock and plugs in at the same time and creates this new peak. Right when they go with our EV charger, it allows us the opportunity to work with them so that they don't have to worry about anything. They can just get home and plug in, and we worry about when it's, you know, uh, pulling power from the grid so that it's cost-effective to everybody. To what extent do you think you're being a one of the uh, first female executives in the industry has led you to be a little more experimental and pushing the envelope on all these programs we've been discussing? Um, I mean, you know, Marty, I, I feel like in this role, you know, going back 20 years and in life in many ways, because I've called myself the accidental executive, I think in many ways I've always felt like an outlier. And in, and in ways I think connected to this kind of work, I think it's interesting and I feel like actually being an outlier allowed me to be an outlier, if that makes any sense. So because I never, because I always felt like an outlier, it was really easy to just do what I felt like was the right thing with this amazing team here for customers and for Vermonters and to uh, innovate solutions and to try different things uh, versus worrying about, uh, uh, you know, conforming or uh, traditional arguments Um you know, I suppose I've never been that traditional. So, so it was, again, it was, it was uh, easy to, when you're an outlier, it's easy to act like an outlier. So what can we expect next from the outlier CEO? <laughs> you know, who knows? The, the cool thing is I've got a lot of different possibilities. I'm, I'm really excited um, 
And, uh, you know, I think first and foremost, I want to take a little breather, um, which I've done every time I've made a significant move. I've actually really only once in my entire career ever jumped from one thing right to another. Um, so I'm going to take a little breather and then, uh, and then we're going to launch. Do you think you want to be in the energy sector? Before that, you were in finance. Might you go back there or what kind of avenues? Well, you know, I worked in, I worked in, yeah, I started my career in finance again. Never would have guessed that. Never sought out to want to do that. I uh, worked in government for a few years, worked in banking. You know, I've uh, started two businesses, one uh, that is actually uh, uh, very interesting and has some interesting developments coming up. So who knows if that might sweep me back in a little bit. Um you know, and I also, you know, I also have some interest in, uh, you know, serving society. So whether that would be best suited through another role like this or um, something else in the clean energy space or public office, I think all those things are possibilities. So the last question, Mary, is uh, how important do you think experimenting is at a, at a utility right now. Oh, and uh, in the background of it, it utilities, uh, as you know, are, are the mo- among the most capital-intensive uh, sectors. Yeah. Um, so there are be a lot of built-in roadblocks to experimenting. And uh, what do you think is the best way to get past those ro- roadblocks? And what should be should CEOs across the country be looking to achieve? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I think innovation is critical. I mean, the reality is, you know, I love that line. If you sit on the lid of progress, expect to be blown to pieces. I mean, so the reality is, you know, people want change. We're seeing that all over the country. Uh, We need to move to a a, a greener, cost-effective environment. And, you know, you don't get from where we are to there without innovating and without taking some, you know, well-thought-out risk. So I think that that's essential. You know, I would say that the way to get there, you know, another one of my favorite lines is culture eats strategy. So I think a lot of where, you know, the utilities and many of them are starting there and need to start is really building a culture of customer obsession, not shareholder obsession. Uh, I think that, yes, it is a capital intensive business. And yes, it's a no brainer that you need to have uh, you know, uh, you need to be financially strong to be able to provide good for society in this business. Um, but, you know, it really is about, from my perspective, when you start with a customer obsession and you start with really thinking about how to deliver uh, the kinds of things that uh, customers are demanding of uh, businesses and industry today, you know, you 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 have to then get to innovation. There's no other way to deliver on customer obsession uh, that doesn't involve innovation. I said that was the last question. One quick one. What about regulators in the financial community? How do you get them on board to embrace the kind of experiments you're doing in Vermont? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, again, I come back, Marty, to customer obsession. You know, and again, you know, to me, it's funny because when I first used to talk about that, you know, 20 years ago, it was looked at as almost like, oh my gosh, oh geez, she she must not really understand finance. <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 I do actually, and I know what it takes to build a successful company. Um, and, you know, it's 
starts with that. And that doesn't mean, you know, customer obsession doesn't mean you give away the store. <laughs> the customer obsession means that, you know, you put yourself in the really challenging seat of saying, how do I, you know, how do I satisfy customers in a way that is affordable, in a way that, that can work within the confines of the environment I'm working in. And so then as you do that, what happens is, in, in my experience, your customers bring along your other stakeholders, whether they're regulators or politicians or, you know, the rating agencies, right? So all of our success was really built on that foundation and that backbone. And then, and then you know, what others saw is like, oh, my gosh, well, then they are successful. And, oh, my gosh, it's the same company that then pulled off you know, the largest merger in the state of Vermont, because again, we had this well of support from our customers that then became the foundation of all these other changes that others would see as, you know, growth opportunities. We didn't see them, we didn't see them through the lens of growth opportunities. We saw them through the lens of how could these things, if we pulled them off, provide incredible value to the Vermonters we serve. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, that is what builds success. Thank you, Mary Powell. And uh, I'm going to extract a promise from you that we reconvene early in the year when your future is clearer. Okay, super. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks. You too. Bye. You have been listening to Grid Talk. Thanks to our guest, Mary Powell, for talking to us about the Vermont Energy Vision. Be sure to check out the next podcast in this series, which takes us to Kansas City, one of the fastest growing EV markets in the nation, spurred by its utility, Evergy, formerly known as Kansas City Power and Light. Chuck Casely explains the utility's thinking, what it means for rapid renewable growth, and the financial nitty gritty behind it. If you have any questions or would like to give us feedback, you may reach us at gridtalk at nrel.gov. And we encourage you to give the podcast a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information or to subscribe, please visit smartgrid.gov slash gridtalk. Thanks for listening to Grid Talk, presented by the U.S. Department of Energy Office of Electricity Advanced Grid Research Division. Subscribe through your favorite podcast provider or visit smartgrid.gov for more information.